0: Beautiful afternoon of this.
1: Indeed. I would agree with you, Dr. Fitzgerald.
0: Hmm. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm Excellent. doing well. Yeah. Ah. It's uh, so earlier in the week than he usually is. It's a Tuesday.
1: It is a Tuesday, but we have not recorded a podcast in over a week.
0: That's true. I don't think we'll be too rusty.
1: I don't know. I think we'll get it done. We'll find out.
0: We took spring break off.
1: We did, which we have not done since. The f- what, last second episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, from last back year we didn't day. do it, and then the year before, because when we recorded our first podcast ever, we we did that, and then mm-hmm. the next day we went on spring break, and yeah. then I was like, well, that was a fun thing. We'll never do again. We'll
0: never do that again.
1: And then we took a week off, and then we did it a hundred and...
0: Four, Four times. times.
1: And then we were like, you know what? Spring break's nice.
0: Spring break is nice. Yeah. And this is, I mean, that's such a consequential time for uh, our collective society and the podcast, though. Because this is the also the two-year anniversary of uh, the covid COVIDing. Yes. You know, and uh, I think did the first step, not to go too deep dive on this, but it's like the first episode came out. Right after we got back from the spring break?
1: No, it COVID, came out it, it, before, was it before? We went, Yeah, yep. yeah.
0: So yeah, spring break will always be remembered with me as, yeah, I left for Newport, Rhode Island, and there was not a pandemic, and then I got back and there was a pandemic, and we started a podcast right at the same time, so.
1: Yep, there was only one episode not in the shadow of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, so yeah. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot as our pandemic uh, project, sort of, but it's like it, it's technically not. You know, we we started this, like, right before. Yeah. When everything was fine.
1: I think I think we didn't know we were starting our pandemic project. No, we, but didn't. No, we didn't. But I think it was indeed our pandemic project. way to project. do it. Um, yeah.
0: And because of my own personal interest in Bent, what I remember uh, throughout the last hundred and whatever episodes is the progression of technology. Because, mm. like, when we started, it's like we were using Zoom as a... It's like Zoom and a, and a couple of Yetis, yeah. If even, if not just like a headset kind of thing, I don't even remember. In yeah. technology, technologies, like we were just hitting record button on Zoom, and then I would like I would download the audio from the Zoom recording, and then I'd plug it through Audacity, and it was uh, it was the most budget thing you could do, yeah. But that goes to show you you can do a podcast on the cheap.
1: It's true, but I think so. We learned a lot, I think, from those first. 104 episodes about the technology. We learned a lot about ourselves. And one of the things that I've always thought was interesting, but challenging about the podcast in those hundred. And this is not like a huge thing. Don't, don't, don't get scared. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting that I knew I loved doing it, but I wasn't sure what our podcast was about.
0: Um, yeah, I think that is that has progressed at the at the at the at the same rate that the technology that we used to record it has that has mm-hmm. changed as well, a little bit upgraded. Because um, I I do remember the mindset that I was in when we started recording the first ones. Yeah, you know, and I don't think it was I don't think we could I could say it as this is what the podcast was about, but I do remember what the mindset was and the initial, um, in intent mm-hmm. kind of was. And I don't know if you remember these statements or or not, but it was, oh, and we have conversations that are pretty interesting. I wonder if other people would think they were interesting as well. Or it's like, we should record these and throw them out there somewhere just because they're so interesting, these conversations we have. And that was it. You yeah. know, it's not like a, we're going to change the world, man, or anything kind of like that. It was, well, we have such great conversations. We should record them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's well, like, and because we're both sort of exhibitionist-oriented, like to be on stage a little bit. And, you know, I'm sure other people would love to hear these as well. Uh, just throw them out there. Podcast platforms are kind of cheap. What is it? Podbean, 110 bucks a year or something like that. Right. You know, so it's, why not? Yeah. So it could cost a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, but it yeah so I think when we started it, i I remember those being like the initial conversation, and then I remember the in the beginning, our life on campus being very present within it, and then I remember something emerging within me where I didn't want um I didn't want this podcast to be a podcast for academics right I wanted it to be um general, and I have held on to that until the point which is more recently admit, admitting this doesn't work for me mm-hmm. right like um i think and i think this has been something that i've noticed happening so our work has has moved from being sort of general like not really like surviving life generally stuff yeah right and and then it started we started to use this word wellness started showing up. Yeah. And now I think we are a lot of the work we're doing is really about wellness work within an academic context. Right. And so then all of a sudden I'm no longer pushing against letting this thing be niche. And in fact, like I think I think it would benefit us if we just stopped resisting having <laughs> having like a focus and admit yeah it seems like we have a focus and it seems like yeah. it's academia and wellness done together through the lens of nonviolent communication and mindfulness right and
0: yeah that that's great that's great no okay, yeah, I, I can get behind that uh if you want a partner, I can, I'm happy to help.
1: Yeah, I think right. that's, um, uh, you were on my top 10 but list. But that's,
0: ooh, nice. Yes. When's the interview?
1: Right now. Right. When's the
0: interview? So, um, but I think that tracks with um, what the podcast was doing for a couple of years, though, because in the beginning, it it was very quickly pivoting to survival. Mm-hmm. Um, I might, figuratively, I guess, you know, but it was a pandemic. Yeah. You know, Um and so a lot of a lot of the struggle was okay so we're doing this now this pandemic thing and we're and that required or asked for its own deep dive really on like just general unspecified community building in a time when everybody was isolated yeah and we were we had these messages that came to us from like culture in general uh hey it's a pandemic and you're all working from I don't know what a wonderful opportunity for you to work on yourself and it's like i appreciate the sentiment of that you know um and, and that's that's a, that's an assessment for hindsight right i think it's like pandemic what a wonderful opportunity i'm like hang on a second this is really really kind of a struggle in a lot of ways for a lot of people so um wellness in in academia and how does wellness show up in an academic framework is uh is is an absolutely wonderful thing that really does seem to be showing up very hard in our lives right now but there was a pandemic going on we had yeah. you know so um it's the you know I don't I don't know if it's resistance to to being a little more specific and guided and niche with what we're trying to do but I th- I think it really does the the shift really does reflect it's like the state that we're in mm-hmm. you know as we transition from being on campus and recording one to recording a bunch of them on Zoom yep. to, you know, starting to record them in person again to uh, our, inst- our employer just dropped the mask mandate.
1: Right, yeah.
0: You know? And so how and, do we do And this? so how do we do that? And yeah. so there's a, how do we feel going into mask mandates, loosening up and sort of this grand reopening as, as Omicron is sort of waning a little bit and knock on every piece of wood you can find. There's mm-hmm. not another you know, there's not another big variant waiting in the wings for us, to we're we're here now, Mm -hmm. and we did a lot of this groundwork over the last two years, and now we're doing this. Now we're on campus. Yeah. Now masks are are sort of going away a little bit, Um, although many people are still wearing them, which, you know, the the whole notion of personal choices and whether or not you wear a mask or not Mm -hmm. is starting to get observed and it's always something, isn't it? You know, it's like I'm going through this thing. It's like it's always something, right? It's, it's always like, something. Can something just be the same for a damn day? And we could yeah. niche on that for a little bit. But nope, right? So yeah. uh, I do think that the, this, this specificity of we're academics trying to do a wellness initiative at a large community college in the United States, it's it's where we are now. And it's I think we're not alone.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that's interesting is for a while now, we've been using this phrase of – the work that we do yeah right and we've talked about the work that we do the work that we do together this work that we do um and i think one of the reasons that when i talk about it i use the the word this is because it's always sort of a little untenable for me to know what the this yeah yeah i'm with you so we
0: we rely on (laughs) pronounced.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> to get
0: us out of the jam of describing what this actually is.
1: Yeah. And so people will be like, "So, Sherry, what's new?" And I'll be like, "Well, you know, I'm still teaching English and then I do this work with Are Paul." You? Are you? <laughs> is that it? Um, but I think um through a variety of different channels, like we've started talking about the work that we do as wellness work. It is. Yeah. Which is. is surprising to me in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that has in part to do with the fact that I've not necessarily self-identified as a well individual. Yeah, right. I was (laughs) going to say, have
0: you met us? You know, it's like,
1: I'm a mess, but I do wellness.
0: It's like, uh, the phone rang and look who answered, (laughs) you know, it's like, you get these two. It's like, really?
1: Them? Well, Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> um,
0: but isn't that true for every you know for every college campus you're ever going to find? Though it's like when you when you go through the ranks of academia and who who are our deans, who are our provos, who are our presidents, whatever, it's like they have a doctorate in sociology and they're there. well, you know, for example. So it's like you get sort of who you get in academia a lot of the times. It, it's not a Silicon Valley startup. It's it's this weird way of being an organization, yeah, where you it it's it's true it's true governmental democracy where you have representatives from your communities that step up and take up these roles to do this greater good kind of thing yeah and uh you, you, it, it, so it, the the qualifications are loose
1: well it's interesting because i i really think that the phd is proof that you can learn right like it's proof that you right. can research the least important part of my PhD for me is the expertise. Right? right? Like right
0: the content expertise. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like I'm not interested necessarily in being the expert in one thing. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm at a community college ultimately is because mm. the the beauty of being a community college English professor is that I get to be a generalist. Like, so this semester, if I want to teach just composition classes, I can do that. If I want to teach literature next semester, swell. Professional writing, great, right? And I feel like you maybe get some of that too. Like, you've taught zoology. Yeah, I've taught a
0: bunch of stuff. You know, I think my, I don't know, I've had this, it's not a reckoning. It doesn't nearly meet the standard of that. But it's like when coming up with uh, like homework assignments and stuff like that for my biology classes, it's like, boy, it would be fun to be a, humanities teacher where you could I could go a little deeper into this without always feeling like I have to put some biology thing into it you know it's like talk through the growth and interpersonal development that you've engaged in over the last two years and relate that to your circulatory system you know (laughs) so it's like I always feel like I have to have these really fascinating almost humanitarian sort of assignments but then i always have to sort of like no in the nervous system how does this play in kind of thing
1: but see the fact that you're applying it to like the circulary system for me as someone who works in the humanities i'm like perfect metaphor yeah right (laughs) right right right, right.
0: so yeah it's tricky so um but that's that's sort of the 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 back burner kind of thing it's like relating you know interpersonal growth and development and wellness to a biology class it's like yeah that's fine but that's that's just because i'm a biology teacher and these are the kids that are in front of me right and i want to do more than just teach them how ele- electrons work mm-hmm. in in bonding you know because there's there's more to it than that right. I, I think and part of me just because of who i am and how i'm sort of baked is well, if not me, then who? And nobody's going to do a better job than I am. So if it's not, if I don't do it, then it's going to be their lives are going to be kind of whatever. And I really don't feel that way, but I do really feel like I really want to do it. You know, yeah. I really want to go a little deeper than just kind of the rote scientific aspect of, of all of this. And the thing is, if that's all I showed up with, I think the kids would get exactly what they expected. But mm-hmm. there's so much more depth to be offered here. I think yeah. I have the most humanities-based science class you're ever going to find.
1: I don't know. It would be interesting to find one that's more.
0: Yeah, I know. And if what would well, yeah. even be? You'd have to dump the science altogether, right? If but, we'd
1: ever do a learning community, I think I would show you how much more humanity-y you could
0: Yeah, be I could in. be more humanity-y. <laughs> uh, humanity-y. <laughs> and, and
1: I'll let you science up my classroom. Is that yeah.
0: humanity-y? I don't know how to spell humanity <laughs> e. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good, good. All good. All good. All good conversations though, you know, with, with how this, this is done though, because we, we did, I mean, we had a good couple of years to do this remotely for lack of a better way, Mm -hmm. you know, during what we would say a pandemic, but the, the, this being, how do one, how does, how do a couple of people who happen to have this position and this job, what do you do during a pandemic?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think. And now
0: uh, it's like, what do you do when the pandemic sort of looks like and looks like it's kind of wrapping up a bit. You yeah.
1: Know? Well, Knock on I, wood.
0: Knock on wood.
1: We don't have any actual wood here. No, but, it's all laminate. Know. Yeah. Collegiate, um, collegiate laminate. Yeah, indeed. But, I mean, I think the key to it is pivoting and flexibility. And I think it's interesting. Um, a few years ago. This is bp before paul uh, well paul was still here but it was before you and i were doing things i was doing a lot of archival research on the history of my department and one of the questions that i was trying to answer is how do you avoid it's basically the same question i'm still trying to answer Mm -hmm. at the college Mm -hmm. right how do you avoid mid-career burnout for faculty members like that was the question i wanted to answer Mm. but um what was really crazy about trying to answer that question is in the middle of trying to answer that question through archival research, I started experiencing it myself. Yeah, right. And for me, and I think for a lot of those colleagues I was studying, the answer was to pivot, right? Yeah. And so I think that's what we did in the pandemic. We were willing to pivot. Yeah. This podcast came, like we built things, we... Did training, but we basically were saying, okay, what we're doing now is not sustainable. This is not, we are not waking up every day, the fullest, most joyful versions of ourselves pivot. Right. And then not that now we're like miserable in the podcast, but I think this next pivot is just, it's acknowledging that at a certain point, to meet something and keep something thriving and well. Yeah, totally. You have to be willing to pivot.
0: Yeah, totally. You know, and and it's it's not a it, it's it's not a situation where one looks back and says, I mean, there, there's I have zero regret for any topic or episode we ever did. You oh, know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's all it's all great. I mean, it's who we were at the time, mm-hmm. and now we're doing this, yeah. and um, it's good to it's good to pivot and mid career burnout is a thing mm-hmm. you know and and i think that really did manifest in that first episode of missing the point um and i think it was that was that was sort of how did it get this way
1: yeah
0: conversation <laughs> yeah. and then the universe is like oh you just wait you <laughs> just wait till next week and see what happens you know yeah so that's kind of funny In a very much not funny way. (laughs) But it's like, oh, you just wait. You want want disruption? I'll give you disruption.
1: Right. Well, and it's funny because mid-career burnout, like, that was the topic that I was presenting on at that conference that I initially had summoned you in to be like, let's talk about this. Little did I know, like, we would, like, I really feel like a big part of what we're doing now is really turning our attention to exactly this. Like, how do we develop a culture of wellness Uh in an academic institution such that when mid-career burnout happens, because it will, people feel supported to be able to navigate it. Because I don't think you can avoid burnout.
0: I was going to be my follow-up as you probably, it's like, is is mid-career burnout avoidable?
1: I don't think it is. That's the most silence we've ever (laughs) had on the podcast. I don't think it is. But I, I Would also... Would you like to...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why do you ask? Elaborate on that Before I tell you right. more. So, it's like a- so do you think you can avoid burnout?
0: I don't know. Have uh, you had burnout? Yeah, I have. Okay. I have had burnout. Um, burnout, I think, is one of those things where in, in hindsight, I see it f- that, that that's what it was. But yeah. it's like when, when I was in it, I'm not sure I recognized it as, as that. But, you know, I sort of use a sort of a pragmatic observational definition of burnout when and this is, this goes back to the early days, you know, um, is one of your, is one of your classes challenging or all of them challenging? Mm -hmm. It's like when they're all a challenge, you're at burnout. Yeah, You know, it's because that's the, it's not, it's not you, it's them. Yeah. Sorry, it's, it's not them, it's you. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got a problem with one class, it's them. If you've got a problem with all your classes, it's you. Yeah. And when it, when you when you cross that threshold, it's like, no, it's all of my classes that I'm having a struggle with. That's when you're in burnout. Right. Burnout exactly. territory.
1: Yeah. You then-
0: know, one or two of them is remediation on approach or process or hit a, just do a do over or a or pivot in your classroom. Right. When, when it's all of them, the the pivot is coming from inside the house. The call to pivot is with, is internal. Yes. And I've been there. I've been there. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So the question of whether it's avoidable, I think we should talk about fire. So how do you like, say you got a campfire or you have a fireplace. I do. Okay. So you got a fire going in your fireplace. What's the progression of that fire? You're tending it over the course of the night. What do you observe?
0: Uh once once the fire is established, Mm -hmm. it burns Mm -hmm. and it burns low and you put more wood on and it burns a little bit, and then you poke it a couple of times, and then you put more wood on, and then you see what time it is. Because eventually you're gonna go to sleep, and so you want it to be you want the time it going out to be lined up with the, the Right, right. <laughs> the end of one's day. Yes, I mean, you don't, don't want to stay up till midnight. Yeah, you don't want to stay up till midnight waiting for your fire to go out. Yes, you know, but you don't want to put it out because you had all this took all this time to light it. Right. But then, it's like, you let it burn out when it's time for it to go.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned you put more fire on it at some point, put right?
0: More, yeah, a little more wood goes on. If, why? If it's, uh, because the fire gets low and the fuel runs out, and it's time to refuel.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's why, like mid-career burnout, to me using the fire metaphor, I don't think it's avoidable. I think like keeping keeping that fully lit fire sustainable for 30 years is impossible. Like you're going to have to you're going to have to find like you're going to run out of wood.
0: <laughs> yeah, you are.
1: Right? Um so but I don't think it doesn't mean that your burnout should be like a flame out. Right. And I think that's the difference is to understand that burnout is is sort of part of the cycle of um, experience. And so you're going to have times of high energy and you're going to need time of dormancy. And that's how you take care of yourself through the span of a career.
0: Yeah. um, And something that I was sort of thinking about was like the fuel that you, you use to get into the profession whatever it might be, it might be different from the fuel it takes to stay in the profession. Mm -hmm. And times change. Context change. People change. You know, especially in academia, it's like you're making this commitment. At least you say you do during your job interview. And I, I, I th- hope that I do, and I think that you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be a lifetime learner. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, have a lifetime of of learning and growth and opportunity to do so, and experiences that are going to be able to f- uh, facilitate and foster growth and change within me, mm-hmm. because that's what college is for, right? Yeah. I mean, it is literally what college is for, and that's what any academic institution is for. I would, I would think, and to to do that as a career is sort of this. Is like is making the statement that you're gonna you're gonna keep up with uh, what education is. You're gonna keep up with your field, whatever mm-hmm. that means. You're gonna keep up with uh, the things that you don't necessarily anticipate that you're gonna have to keep up with, like uh, like IT training, like IT training, or the things that your students are into. You know, yeah. I'm a Gen Xer. I got in. You know, I I think some of my we've gone through the. Gen Ys, the Gen Zs, the Millennials, the you know, so it's like <laughs> when I started, um, all the students were on Facebook, and now it's like none of my friends <laughs> are on Facebook. No, it's TikTok, right? So, and it, something else will come down the pipe, and it's going to be great. It probably already. Has. And um, the, one of the more fun things that I've I've experienced during my time for the last fifteen years as a as a biology teacher and just like a faculty member at a college is like the lingo. Mm-hmm. You know, is fun. And it's uh, it's it's just been fun to watch the last 15 years of cultural evolution with you know 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds you know in in a classroom. They are different than they were, but in many ways the same. They mm-hmm. come here looking for the same sort of thing, but the context changes. And whoa, w o e, woe to the to the faculty, person, teacher, whatever, I think, who tries to just do it the same way for 30 years or 40 years.
1: Right. Um,
0: there comes a point when you, from one year to the next, you feel like you can recycle your class more or less from one year to the next. But there comes a point where it's like, it's time to reinject. You know, because times change, context changes. What worked a couple of years ago might be different than it is today because either the field changed or the context changed or the content changed. Yeah. Or it's just different days. And you go from Blackboard to Canvas. You go from Facebook to TikTok. Yeah. You know, back in the day, uh, there was really nothing out there except for occasional, you know, big corporate educational videos out there and now you got kind of Khan Academy and YouTube and yeah anything in and and Discord and it was I mean there used to be study groups now there's like Discord <laughs> Discord groups you know is how they organize it. so it's uh I think To the attentive person, the burnout comes, I think, maybe a lot of times from trying to do things the way you did them previously and realizing that that is not the fuel for the fire any longer and pivot.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think the other side of that, though, sometimes can be a sense that when the technology does change so quickly, that there can be a pressure to like, if you're trying to stay up and you're, you know, it can be too much, right? It can. You know, it can too much fuel for the fire to go back to that metaphor, Right. Um, but I think, you know, what you're saying, like I've been, maybe I'm exhausting this fire metaphor, but <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: burning itself out. Yeah. Right.
1: But, you know, I'm thinking at the beginning of the career, like I felt like I used anything and everything was fuel for what drove me. Mm. Right. You know, you think about grad school and it reminds me of like what I'm like when I'm starting a fire, especially like at a campground or whatever it's like any means available, right? Yeah. What do I have that can burn? Right. You know, like newspaper or twigs, like, but then once you get the fire going, that's when you bring in the good wood. Um, and I feel like I'm more selective in what I'm putting on the fire. Um, and I think that there's some, like some parallelism, right. With how the, the career span. Yeah. You
0: start with dry, dry twigs that burn fast, Yeah. you know, and you move to the, to the good stuff yeah. later on, right?
1: And so you get into something that's sustainable, but then what you can't control is the weather, right? Right, right. <laughs> and so it's like the wind comes, how are you going to protect it's starting the starting to rain, fire? yeah. Right, it starts to rain, you know, your fire gets too big, right? There's still a lot of work to be done in maintenance. Um but you can keep it up. But it, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to consider.
0: Yeah, and what, what I think happened over the last couple of years with COVID with you know, my academic friends and colleagues and myself is that the, 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 a big part of what was happening was not how do I keep my fire burning bright and new and what awesome wood am I gonna throw on it? It's like, let's just try to keep the thing lit yeah embers is fine right you know we just don't want it to go go totally out yeah you know and for some people it did
1: it did it did you know absolutely um for
0: some people it did go out and uh there's a lot of attrition
1: right yeah
0: you know because it's like you know i can't and, and and folks and some folks that we've known for a long time mm-hmm. uh left and still are right and absolutely. still are and so, and and that and that's something that everybody certainly has the right to do. When it's mm-hmm. time to build a fire somewhere else, awesome. There's plenty of other twigs out there that are really meaningful fires to <laughs> right. to to light. You know that that are fires that are needed. Yeah. And may they and may they light them and and burn brightly. Right. And hot and, but you know, for for those of us who are sort of were in this, you know, throughout, especially. Literally the week after, you know, <laughs> saying we're going to do a public podcast here about this kind of stuff, you know, there was a, a, a sense of obligation with joyful obligation. It's like, no, we, we really do want to put this out there and it might be of service to some people. And yeah. if maybe some people find some good from how to be an academic teaching on Zoom at a community college during a pandemic. I hope they find it and I hope they get something good out of it, but it's really hard. So we're not trying to do amazing things here. We're just trying to keep the damn thing from going out. Mm -hmm. And that's what it felt like for a lot of it. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And sometimes you're just not going to show up great. And that, how do we make that okay? Mm -hmm. You know, expectations change. Right. With what we're called to do and what we can actually do as well.
1: Well, and I think the other thing, you know, as you say that, like sometimes we're not going to show up well. Um, Like, I'm thinking about a moment I had in my classroom today where in my, like, the story I told myself when I left the class was that I didn't show up well for it, right? And upon further investigation with my dear friend, Paul, (laughs) it seems as though I might have shown up fine. Yeah. But I think. I saw
0: no concerns.
1: You saw no concerns. Yes. Upon further consideration. I don't think I do either. But I. You retract
0: your previous letter. Yes. It seems as
1: though I showed up perfectly (laughs) grounded. Offer a
0: retraction. Offer a retraction. Um,
1: But I think that this cycle, you know, can contribute to burnout of, like, if people are showing up to their classroom, showing up to their career, and they're having moments that don't go well, things that don't pan out well, they're feeling like they're down to the embers. They don't have a community they can rely on to build back up. Mm -hmm. They feel like maybe academia writ large is part of what's dampening their fire. Like so much of that narrative work of academia is cutthroat. Um, My institution doesn't value me. Uh, They don't care about us. They want us to suffer. Like the narrative can be so destructive that I think, you know, part of navigating through a career in a sustainable way is really checking into the narratives and, and seeing like today, did I not show up well in my classroom or did I have a little bit of a family emergency and found myself a very human person before a classroom?
0: Yeah. And you know, not to give me the specifics, but your, your specific challenge today was a family emergency that you really can't do anything about. Yes. You know, so it's like you get all the you get all the, the weight, emotional weight of the whole thing with none of the ability to actually do anything right. to help the situation. Shit. You know, <laughs> so you're sort of, what do I do with this, you know?
1: Yeah. But it's it's so interesting because I've worked at this institution long enough to where a lot of the really catastrophic news – that I've received in the last 15 years, I have been here yeah, when right. I have received it, yeah. right? Um, and and I think that cultivating a community within our campuses where this can be a place where you can receive and navigate human challenges yeah. is so so important. Yeah, and it's not always at the forefront of the conversations we're having about academia. Right. right. We we talk about our like we're so good at talking about the theoretical components of everything. But then when it comes down to practice, it's it's so far removed. And I've been thinking about this a lot because my field, like writing studies, like we're having a conference and we're literally talking about, um, you know, how rhetoric can be used to, you know, avoid war. Despite the fact that our field itself is one of the most violent fields, yeah, right. verbally violent that I've ever run into, and and it's just like we, it doesn't have to be this way, yeah. right? Like, um, and there's war, and there's war, and there's literal war. Yeah. So yeah. So maybe we can, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's yeah, just There's it war i think within all of this there's so much space to to understand like academia like as much as we can like build up what it is it is our job not like like that's it like it's a job and it's a job we can do very well but we can be full humans at our jobs even though we are
0: yeah 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 i i totally agree with that and um when when thinking about the i mean if traditional workplace situations here where do you spend the prime time of your day you know 9 to 5 monday through friday yeah you know uh that's prime time and that's where you live your life and it's usually under the umbrella of employment mm-hmm. in one way or another so it's it's like if you only make that decision I don't think I'm saying anything that hasn't been said before. If right. you only make the decision to be a fully integrated human outside of prime time <laughs> hours, it's like you're taking the eight hours of your day where you're probably at your best and you're giving them to somebody else and it's like giving them away. It's like, no, you can be compensated for the work you do during that time. And that can be part of your life. Yeah. And it can be part of your meaningful life and it can be part of your your active life and you may, you might not require that hard of a pivot on the car ride over to your employer to say okay but you know I'm sup- I have work life balance and I'm separating those things out and now I'm a professional Paul and not like home life Paul kind of guy you know I dress better when I'm here than I do when I'm at home well I mean to say I dress differently I dress more comfortably at home, but I dress more visually <laughs> here, uh, it, w- you, w- w- as one does, right? right? As one does. My God, there are people looking at me um, here, um, and that's going to that's going to happen. But I prefer I prefer an existence where I don't have to do too much wholesale fundamental change right. to like firewall off parts of my life when I'm when I'm when I'm here, because these are the prime time hours of my day and of my week. Yeah yeah I mean why I'm not gonna give that up to say I'm not going to feel things that are hard when I'm here,
1: right, yeah, well, and I think I have held myself to this belief that like you do the human stuff at home, yeah right, right, and I think the more that I did that, like when I would try to get off campus as quickly as possible, um when I came to campus with this, I'm not here to make friends, kind of mentality, yeah, right right, um I wasn't happy. Right. right. Um and now I th- I don't think that I'm particularly good like if work life balance is defined by a separation of work and life, I'm very bad. Yeah, at I'm that. horrible at it myself. Yeah. Uh I literally I have two jobs and so because of that, I literally work with all of my best friends except my husband. Right. Like between, you know, being here, right. you know, and you know, elsewhere like all of my closest friends are the people that I work with. Um, because you're right. I mean, I, I am at work most of my waking hours. Yeah. But that's not, that's not a hump. Like that's not a brag, right? Like I'm not constantly working.
0: No. I'm just right. at work you're a lot. You're just at work a lot and doing the work that is the work that is to be done. Right. And might I also add that are um, are wonderful and delightful charges. The students that we engage with in the classroom do not respect our work-life balance decisions if we make <laughs> them. I mean, we get we get uh, texts, emails, whatever, from our former and occasionally current students all the time. Wow. Thanks for working me on this thing. Like, this is so much great. You saved my life. Perfect. I really appreciate that work that we did. I just got one a a day or two ago. right? Mm -hmm. I really appreciate all that great stuff we did. I didn't realize at the time how amazing it was. Um, But uh, thanks. Boy, that was fantastic. And it's, it's really paying off now. And it really did a great thing in my, you know, how this goes. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that doesn't sound like work life to me. That just sounds like life to me, you know? So it's like I might be working, but it's the work that we're doing is – might be impacting, not necessarily at the time, but later on, the life of our delightful students. So it's like what we're calling our work, they're calling their life.
1: Right, right. You know? Yeah. So
0: it's like how dare what we say is our job that we're doing for money only be what that is, whereas our students are seeing it as the fundamental part of their living growth process. Yeah, you know, just doing my job doesn't really cut it for me. Right. Because it feels freaking great when you get those, and it's you'll want to keep doing those things that you know students find meaningful. Right. And in the in, in the buffet style where it's like they can take what's meaningful and awesome to them and sort of leave the rest. I'm fine with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'd like to. Be, it, it gives me no joy or pleasure to say I'm just doing my job.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, and one thing that interests me about what you just described, like you, s- you specifically said that you impact the life, but you did not yeah. say that you change lives. Oh, and no. I think this, no. No, no, no. I was,
0: I was part of the life.
1: Right. Part of the life. And I love this because there is a thing that p- academics say, people that work in education say, that I think you and I both hate. That I think we should talk about. Yeah. Which is that we do this work to change lives. And right. And neither of us believe that, right? Like, I am not in this business to change lives. No, I'm not either. Yeah. Why I'm not?
0: not? Uh, I don't think I have the right to change somebody. Like, I don't even know what that means. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know where to start with my response. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't make existential sense to me. Yeah. Um, change it from what?
1: Right. To what?
0: To what? I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, I might have, if I'm changing it, I figure half the time I'm probably changing it for the worse. I don't want to be burdened by the responsibility of having to change anything. Right. You know, I don't, you know, I don't go into work every day for other people. I I come here for myself in the service of myself and hopefully people can do something, get some good out of it. If I apply myself righteously and right. with compassion, blah, blah, blah. And I hope, I hope they take what, what is useful to them. Mm-hmm. And I've found that if I show up joyfully, voluntarily, without feeling like I'm just doing it for the money, um, I'm able to see that. Mm-hmm. I'm able to see that, and I'm able to fully participate in. I'm going to offer you some. It's like you know, I teach, You know, for me, going to a classroom and teaching class is no different different than you know cooking dinner right for a bunch of kids or or setting up a buffet. Well you paid your 5 bits, 2 bits or whatever, <laughs> you know, your 5 bucks. Take what you take want. Take a plate, take what you want, you know, um Yeah. Take what take what you want and then leave the rest and and great. And occasionally you get uh some correspondence later. and say, "Boy, those mashed potatoes really helped me out." Yeah. It's like fantastic. But it's like I'm going to make pota- mashed potatoes and change their lives. It's like I they might, you know, I I I sort of like, I I really existentially don't understand the, the, the question there. Yeah. Change it from what?
1: Right. To what?
0: To what? Yeah. You know, it's like, do I need to have a place in their lives where I was a pivotal moment where all of a sudden their life is going in a different direction? And who am I to judge that? And who am I to feel like I'm so, so much that I need to have that role in somebody's life? It's like and it's and it's sort of this uh, it sort of seems like this unmet need to be important somewhat mm-hmm. or or feel like you fit into this world in some sort of specific way where you can clearly state your <laughs> your KPIs right your key performance <laughs> indicators of your life right it's right. like i changed this person's life in this way and i changed this person's life this way it's like ah you do your thing and hopefully it works out and yeah. you know I'm, um am um I'm not just here for the lulls, but, you know, I, I love my job and I love my students and it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a hoot that they pay me to get up and talk about science in front of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if, if you're, if you're not doing it joyfully, students will see through that right away. Yeah, Right away. They know when you're faking it and, or just not, not there. Yeah. And, it's I don't know I I it, I'm just sort of talking in circles a little bit here just because like I I don't understand what it means to to feel like you have to change somebody's life.
1: Yeah, I mean to me. What do you think? I well I've I've heard a lot of people saying like a lot of times uh, graduate students will get in contact with me. They'll be sent to me because they want to work at a community college, and when I ask them why they want to work at community colleges. They will often say to me that they want to change lives. And um, I usually find that there's there's a mit- there's a some unchecked privilege in that, right? Yeah, so right. That, there's right, this right, understanding right. that me in my privileged position will come down and help, you know, the needy youth. Right. And I will lead them to blah, 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 right? Um, so part of what I resist with it is the idea that just because someone's in college doesn't mean that their life needs changing right um their life needs to be lived right right and and i i like what you said about you want to be part of that
0: yeah i want to participate
1: yeah i want to be like i am a teacher because i enjoy being part of people's lives as they're going through their journey right i really enjoy that right and if i can get in front of each of my classes and say hey for the next 13 to 15 weeks We're going to be part of each other's lives. And what that's going to mean is that I am going to recognize I am not the only thing in your life. Right. I'm going to try and not make my part of your life terrible. Right. You're also going to recognize you're not the only part of my life, which is why um, today when like I needed to be in family mode, I really appreciated that former Sherry had created a space where human beings could show up. Yeah. Because I could say, you know what? It's time for me to go be focused on my family. Right. And so I did that. Because Robert Lemire listens to this. We yeah. can say, Rob, we're glad you're okay. Yeah, we're glad you're okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like really. And like uh,
1: really. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, but looking back in my own life, it's like, can I? are there individuals in my life that I can say that that person really changed my life? And it's like, I don't think, I think the answer might be no. Yeah. Right? I'm... People have not changed my life in one way to the next. I, when I look back, and I was like, what are the key things in my life that have happened, where it's like it seems like it, it caused a, a deflection in one way or another, or a pivot. It was experiences I've had, not people that I've, the, the, it's not It's not individuals and what an individual did. It's an experience that I was having right? that sent me in one direction to the next. And people were, and different people were parts of those experiences. Yeah. They're contributing to those experiences for good or ill, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I don't feel like I need to be an individual that changes someone's life, but I'm happy to participate in the experiences that they're having that might be life-changing for them. Right. You know, so part of me is like, when I go into the classroom it's like what can I do in this classroom that might like make you know push the boundaries a little bit farther out in what they have as part of the experiences they can learn from?
1: Yeah. I I mean I love being on the sidelines coaching people along as they are uncovering you know what's next? Yeah, for them. go like, team, go! Yeah, you win.
0: go! Yes, awesome! Yeah, win for the home team, perfect, love yeah. it! Yeah, you know,
1: like I, I enjoy cheerleader.
0: Being... Yes, yeah, but, cheerleader. Yeah, cheerleader. Yeah,
1: I was a what a weird. I would never thought I would say this sentence. Like you're yeah, totally a cheerleader. I love being a cheerleader. Yeah,
0: go fight, win.
1: Right, but I'm not going to play their plays for them. No. Yeah.
0: He's a helicopter teacher, right? Yeah. So. so.
1: Um, but I just think that you know. I think we sit in an interesting position because we are teaching at a community college, so we are teaching faculty, not research faculty. Um, right. I think there's a lot of research to the work we do.
0: Yeah, there is.
1: <laughs> you and I have never stopped Oof, researching. Yeah. Um, but
0: focus has gone in some unanticipated
1: directions. <laughs> right. Pivot,
0: pivot. Based on experiences that I've had, you know, yeah. in my life.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what has helped me to find to find joy in my job is is partially understanding like like I'm not there to be god of the classroom, right? No. I I really am a participant in a space. Yeah. Um and that is really freeing. Um and same thing about like the overall institution. Like my goal is not for my name to be on the top of the hierarchy chart. And since I learned that, I, a, I've been able to change how I relate to my whole institution. To just remember that I want to be a player in, in an institution whose overall mission I value. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's like in the in the classroom your role is like dungeon master you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes roll the dice see what you get
1: yeah well and i think dungeon ma- ma- master is perfect like you want to create an experience that is engaging yeah and a little bit challenging but if you keep killing your party no one's gonna yeah have
0: right it. so how do you work together with other people on on these yeah. life problems as you explore the yep. the the landscape that you're in mm-hmm. and um uh Ooh, but what about this? Ooh, but what about that? It's like, oh no, the orcs, or whatever, you know? Right. And so it's uh, fun. It, it's good fun. It's good fun. It and good fun. Uh, Something that's been coming up in my classes uh, quite a bit lately is that that happens best when the environment is safe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we have, you know, nonviolent communication. That's why we spend, you and I both spend so much time establishing that that atmosphere of safety, because then that learning zone gets a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's easier to explore the bounds and the fringes. Yeah. Because you all know you're in together and you're in and students. It's like, my God, you will look out for each other. Right. And you will respect each other. Right. Period. And that's like ground damn rules in my classroom. You will respect each other. Yeah. And. Doesn't uh, mean if, it always goes it it that way. You no, know, it doesn't always go that way. But when it stops going that way, there's going to be a full damn stop. And yeah. we're going to reestablish that as first principles of going on here, because once that's in place and, you know, there's safety in the classroom and those ground rules of respect are are maintained, then that learning zone gets huge, you know, and people can find that they can explore those edges without it feeling quite as risky. Right. There's always a little bit of risk involved with, you know, I don't want to say something stupid or, you know, the consequences of getting the wrong answer, which... Most of the time in my class, is like none, there are no consequences. Yeah. It's like, great answer. Who else wants to get? Wants, you know, who else wants to throw in on this? I
1: always love this <laughs> when I visited your class in the past. Like, um, people will answer things and they'll be like, Who else has an answer? Like,
0: yeah, you, boy, you know, that's what an awesome creative response. Interesting. Anybody, else, anybody else else have anything? <laughs> yeah.
1: And then, but what's funny who about it like is you, you interrogate, not interrogate, that's unkind, but like you ask follow up questions of the people who are right, yeah, them.
0: yeah, the right ones get a. Inquisition. But,
1: but they get perplexed because they lose their certainty as soon as you follow up. Yeah, I'm like, come on. That's the Paul Fitzgerald gold yeah, standard. Yeah, right, like, right, right, means, right.
0: That's how you know you're doing well.
1: Yeah. Like, he's not going to put you on the spot and, like, let the whole room look at how wrong you are. Yeah,
0: right. Right, right, right. It's not so that's not the kind of uh, man
1: he is. Yeah.
0: You can be right, but you're going to pay for it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you can be gently wrong.
0: Gently wrong with love and compassion and all that. That's all, all good fun. Um. So the the burnout, right? Getting back to the burnout part of it, and and how this impacts with the wellness side, um, how to all, especially in the academic environment, everything. I mean, the students are literally the bread and butter of this place. Yeah, you know, it's like that's where the money's coming from, <laughs> and you know that, and the taxpayers. Thank you, you um, <laughs> paying your taxes. Um what what we notice and this is not just true for our institution it's true for i think most of them out there so much stuff is student focused
1: yeah
0: obviously you know obviously when when the the national metrics about our institution hit the public papers they don't talk about how many faculty we have they talk about how many students we have mm-hmm. i mean that's the size of an institution is the size of the student body not yeah. the faculty so it's like all the stuff is about how to keep how to keep students yeah you know engaged how to retain how to graduate how to blah 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 best environment for our students equity for students and all this kind of stuff what does that look like um, for faculty and staff right? right and that's when it becomes a culture of wellness not just for the students but really for the faculty and staff who are the space holders in that in that in that framework yeah you know so it's like if you're going to be holding the space for for students as they go on this journey and you're part of the landscape and a cheerleader for them for a living, mm-hmm. for a living, during the prime time hours of your life, during the prime time years of your life, yeah. when your knees don't creak and your hips still work, and mm-hmm. you know, and you're and you're doing all this, you know, for this common good that you love, or else you wouldn't do it. Kind of. Um, how do you take care of yourself and each other yeah. a, as you go? And, and so doing that, like, what is what does wellness look like in a peer way, right. With faculty and staff,
1: yeah. Well, and I think one of the reasons that that's so important is because if we believe that holistic student wellness is important and we want to make that sort of part of the global mission of what it means to support students, one of the things that we always offer within the classroom is we we expect people who are leaders in the classroom to be experts in what we're offering the students. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I know is that, well, for a lot of us who are educators, I don't think we grew up in a context where wellness was talked about. Right? Like, I think if we go knock on four doors of random faculty or random staff and we just ask, how do you define wellness? I think many folks who are, you know, past the point of their education to the point where they are in a full position at an academic institution, they grew up in an age where people weren't talking about wellness. Right. Right? Right. Whereas I think our students who are coming through now, it's not like we're doing a great job. But I think at least, you know, at least I know that there's an office of mental health and wellness at this institution. I don't know. There might have been when I was in college, but no one talked about it. The only reason you talked about it is if you needed to go for STD testing.
0: Yeah, right. It's like I think they get free condoms and <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> there's a health it's club. Student advising. You, you
1: <laughs> grab a treadmill. Yeah. It,
0: the counselor had a you know had a had a bus basket of condoms on the counter, and they were the cool one that you wanted right. to go to. Right. That
1: visited often. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I mean I think that you know this conversation might this conversation leads to the topic we thought we were going to talk about today. Right. Which is what actually is wellness. Yeah, like and how yeah. do we define and it?
0: It's like mindfulness. It, it's like it. It's it's a word that is has been going around for a little bit now, but everything sort of falls under the risk of being tagged as a wellness thing. Yeah. And um, with the uh, as we as we say so often, with the work that you and I are trying to do, mm-hmm. um, are doing, I would say, we're not even trying. We're actually
1: trying we're getting to it done. Really
0: getting it done. Mm-hmm.
1: To do well there all comes to a lot. point
0: when one has to have an operational definition to work with or else you're just going to spin your wheels and, oh, this is wellness. And it's like, I'm going to vacuum the floor. That's wellness. And it's like, I'm going to get a bag of chips because I'm practicing wellness. And, right. Um, Ooh, my college is offering yoga on Zoom. Wellness. So it's like everything that feels like anything that is in some way something that someone would engage with outside of teaching a student how to do a thing counts as well it's like is yeah yeah. (laughs) it is like without without true definition it becomes unknowable whether or not it's actually being done or not
1: yeah and i think this is something like that academics are at great maybe other industries are too but we're at great risk with this because i think we love our buzzwords
0: right Oh, sure
1: and so we bring in buzzwords and we use them i mean you know, in we are we're about innovation and I don't know name
0: pathways. Pathway yeah. And, like, but then there was pathways, but then pathways started to mean something else, and now we, pathways means a third thing.
1: Right. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, so capital
0: P or lowercase p pathway. Which one are we talking about?
1: Yeah. So I think, and even the way we looked at the word wellness at first, like when we were trying to see our work within. The idea of wellness, it took us a little while to really figure out where our work kind of niche in, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so I feel like this is the moment where I'm like, so folks, turn in next week where we're going to offer you a definition of wellness and figure out what it means. Yeah. Stay tuned.
0: Stay tuned, (laughs) yeah. Um, But this was a journey for us because it was like we, you and I, Sherry, we do this thing on the campus and we host these workshops. We got one coming up next week. We're working with some of our student ambassadors on uh, how to step into yourself kind of things with authenticity. And uh, that certainly counts in every way. If, if anybody looked at what we were doing, they would say, ah, wellness, mm-hmm. you know, and we'd get the, 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 the moniker of, of such. But when we look at like the definition of wellness, which I guess shan't be spoiled until next week, right? Um, we don't do all of it, we do some of it. We do some There's of it. There's other stuff of it that it's like in looking at a good definition of it, of what wellness really is in a way that can be applied institutionally. Uh, we thought we did some part of it, but it turns out we don't do that part of it. But we do this other thing that very few people actually ever do. So we have a niche. Yay. You know. Yay. And yeah. other people that use wellness do that other thing. Mm-hmm. Great. You know. Yeah. So institutional wellness is something that a lot of people are talking about. And it comes down to how does one actually start that, right? And it's like, where does one begin? And this is a podcast for another day. Uh, Starts with definitions, Starts with definitions. Let's define our terms, which is the most academic thing that you can do.
1: Oh, yeah. But I think, yeah. So, yes, we'll start with defining our terms. But I think even before getting to our terms, we defined our problem. Yeah. What good academics.
0: Yeah, what good academics. People seem not the most well. <laughs> There's work to be done here, right? And there are the observations that we make on the daily. Um, there are the inclinations that we have and care and compassion for our colleagues, mm-hmm. and then there are national reports that have a lot of red on them, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> Right. So you get all kinds of I mean what kind of data would you like? The quantitative, qualitative, observational, informal, infra- Facebook yeah, what what kind of observations. data would you you yeah. know, water cooler talk, there's 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 all kinds of data that one can bring into this that and we get all of it. Yep. We get all of it. Um and you you try to respond as best you can for what the greatest needs are and yeah. um may we continue?
1: May we continue. So next week we'll define wellness. wellness, yeah, the, Perfect. the
0: definition we use and what it means to us. Perfect. Sounds Perfect. like a plan. It does sound like a plan. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Sherry. Uh, this was fun. This was. This was I agree. an absolute delight. What is this? Episode 100 and something? Five yes. or six? It's it is not it yet is, 200. It is, it is 100 and something. Uh-huh. So I hope you enjoyed the 100 and something
1: <laughs>
0: episode. Indeed. Of This Most Unbelievable Life. Woo. May it be continuing to be unbelievable. Yes. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Paul. Bye. Bye.